I want to welcome everyone today to a brand new series, a collection of sermons that is designed to help you see all that you see through the lens of faith. It's a series designed to help you begin to walk through your life, to walk through your, your schooling, to walk through your career with a brand new perspective. It's a series that only needs two words as a title, but my prayer is that these words, as you've heard in service so far, if you're joining us at Church Online, or you'll hear throughout the collection that is this series, is way more than just sermons. It's a mantra. It's a perspective that we take on, and it's this, God can. Come on, somebody in the chat just by faith needs to type that in the, in the notes right now. Type it in the chat right now. God can. Somebody needs to say this to the person you're sitting with watching this sermon right now. God can. Throughout these next many weeks as we journey together, we are going to unpack, we are going to unlock we are going to discover, have our eyes opened by faith to the God who can. Because whenever you can't, God can. Whenever you can't see a way through, God will make a way through. Whenever you can't provide, God will show himself faithful to be all that you need and more. Whenever you can't find a friend, he says, I'll be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. God is the one who can. He's the one who can restore. He's the one who can guide. He's the one who can heal. He's the one who can deliver. Oh, our God can do so much. And today, as we begin this collection of sermons together, as we begin this series as a community of faith, there is no better place to start when the, this reality that I pray would come alive in your heart and in your mind on today, that God can save. That's right. God can save. Now, to some of you, that feels like the most predictable and expected church answer, church statement you've ever heard in life. Of course God can save. That's what he does. God can save. Yeah, thank you for telling me this, but I've been knowing this since I was a little child. God can save. While others of you would push back on that sentiment. You see, there might be some stuff that God can do if God does exist, but I don't know if God can save. There are people and people under the sound of my voice right now, listening to the podcast, watching at church online. You are catching this sermon on YouTube and you would push back and say, I don't know if God can save. Friend, I believe there are two primary reasons people reject God's saving. The two reasons really sort of look like this very loosely, and this isn't meant to be exhaustive, but, but these are the two primary reasons, if you would give me a moment. Some people reject that God can save because they don't think they need to be saved. They, they don't believe in sin or the penalty of sin. They don't believe they're that bad of a person. They don't think they need to be saved. That's one group of people. The other group of people are those who don't think they can be saved. They don't think it's possible for them to be saved. Now, 
the majority of preachers and teachers like myself, the majority of sermons that maybe you would hear, have ever heard, or have ever been preached, primarily focus on that first reality of salvation concerning God. That God, yes, he can save, and yes, if I have a problem with him saving, it's because I don't necessarily think I need to be saved. And so preachers like myself, teachers would come along and try to help you see how depraved and deprived you are, how we are born with a sin nature, how all of us have sinned. I don't care how much good you've done. I don't care how good of a person you think you are. I don't care how innocent you think you've been, how pure you think your life has been. All have sinned, and most of us spend our time focused there. I will not on today. And the reason being is because you're here. See, I think because you're watching at church online, you're listening to this podcast, you're watching this sermon on YouTube, you're gathering it in the moment with other friends or after the fact or however you may be engaged in this series in this moment right now. Here's what I believe to be true about you. You actually um, recognize your need for salvation. You, you, you think that you need to be saved. But in your heart of hearts, here's what's true. Maybe you don't believe that you can be saved. Or to dig a little deeper and be a little more specific before I get all the way there, maybe you don't believe it's possible for all of you to be saved. There's a part of you that can be saved, but maybe not all your sin, maybe not all your shortcomings, maybe not all of who you are and your questioning isn't because of God's power. It's because of your secrets. Your questioning about God's ability to save has nothing to do with God's power to save and more to do with the power of the secrets that you know about you. You know, there is a reason why many people, maybe even you included, uh, can continue to try to uh, save ourselves by our own efforts. There are people who do good deeds. There are people who go to church services, even online. There are people who will donate money or donate time or speak well of others thinking that somehow they can amalgamate enough good deeds to cover themselves. I mean, part of the reason that we don't want people to say bad things about us is because, um, well, we actually know how bad we really are. And so some of us, there is this... Um, striving on the inside of us, this striving that manifests itself in the way that we operate from week to week and day to day, that constantly tries to earn the salvation that we want, but we don't think we can get because we know how bad we are. We know our secrets. I mean, here's what's true about me. Maybe you would be honest enough to attest this to be true about you. But um, nobody's got more dirt on me than me, right? 
I mean, nobody knows the junk. Nobody knows the stupid decisions. Nobody knows the things that we've been trying to hide. Nobody knows that better than me. You know why? Because I was there for all of it. Am I right? Ain't nobody got more junk on you than you. I mean, listen, it does not matter what you ever hear somebody say about me. If it is negative and it is true, which all things negative aren't necessarily true. So that, but if it is true, here's another layer to that truth. There's probably a whole lot more that's a whole lot worse than ain't nobody know about. Because we all got secrets. We all have those internal motivations that we don't ever want to get out. We all have those uh, desires on the inside of us that feel uh, gross and, and so selfish and so wretched to communicate verbally, but yet those desires sit within us insatiably. We, we recognize the, the tension and the confusion in all this, but it is our reality. We have secrets. And for most Salvation isn't an issue for the stuff that people have seen. Our issue comes to the stuff that actually is secret. Most people believe that God can save the version of them that they show the world, the version of themselves that they show their family. The version of themselves that they show their friends, they show their classmates, they show their co-workers. Most of us believe that God can save this manicured, curated version of ourselves. There's only one problem. We know that ain't really us. That there are addictions and there are habits and there are struggles and there are thoughts and there are proclivities that are woven within us that we dare not utter. for the feel of being shunned by our secret. And so when we come to a moment and we hear that God can save, we push back and wonder, which version? Can he really save me? Or can he save the, the caricature of me that people are comfortable with? I want to make a statement today that I want to take a few moments as we study the scripture together to prove to you. Because if you would have enough faith to believe that what God says in his word is true, I can show you the validity of the statement I would love for you to write down on today. But would you write down, if you're taking notes today, this reality that we will build off of, out of, and back to, to confirm in your heart, mind, and soul in our few moments together today. But God can handle saving you because God can handle secret you. The reason I can tell you that God can handle saving you, that God can save you, the, the things about you that you feel are unredeemable, the things about you that you feel are unforgivable, God can save you because God can handle even that. Secret you. I would like to start today in the book of Hebrews, chapter number nine, and read 
a few verses from the writer of Hebrews that is dealing with a perspective to a group of people about the saving work that Jesus has done. Now, the writer in Hebrews is writing this letter, uh, communicating to them truths about God, truths about their salvation, truths about what Jesus has done. And his audience is primarily Jewish. That is why this book is called Hebrews. He is writing it to probably a group of believers in Jerusalem, helping them to build a theology about God that is built out of the theology of God that they had been, been handed for generations and followed from Moses through the tabernacles and all this type of thing. And so he's going to talk some things for a few moments that are going to sound a little foreign to you. But there is a part of saving that he alludes to that is so important and so missed that I must help us wade through what may seem a little confusing to get to what is so significant because God can save. Somebody in that chat right now, one more time, type God can save. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 9 reads this way. Now the Messiah, talking about Jesus, has appeared, high priest of the good things that have come, in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered the holy of holies once and for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. I told, I told you, I'm going to clear all this up. It's a little confusing, okay? But by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will, that's a good word to circle, highlight, underline, how much more will, will is in the future, how much more will the blood of the Messiah, now, Jesus has already died when this is right. Jesus has already sacrificed his life for the, for the sake of humanity when this is written. He says, how much more will the blood of the Messiah, who's already been sacrificed, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. That is a phrase, even if you're a regular attender in church, even if you're someone who partakes in uh, the, the preaching and the teaching of God's word on a very consistent basis that we very rarely hear referenced. Cleanse our consciences. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is he's saying, just like in days of old, sacrifices were made and they only cleaned the outside for a little while. Because of what Jesus has done, he says, if I could just put it in my own translation, his blood will cleanse your conscience so that you can do all that God has for you to do. I wrote this in my notes this way. But the promise of the blood of Jesus 
from Hebrews chapter 9 is to cleanse our conscience. Why? Because it's our conscience that holds our secrets. And it's our secrets that often prevent us from believing God can save us. The writer says that it is the blood of Jesus that will not only cleanse our sins. See, some of you think that when you get saved, that the only thing that the blood of Jesus does is keep you from cussing again or keep you from lying about them or keep you from telling them what you really think. Like, no, 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 no. He says the blood of Jesus will actually cleanse your conscience, which is so significant because it's in our conscience that those secrets that we don't tell anyone, that's where they reside. It's in our conscience. It's in that space that we don't talk about. Where when people compliment us, we say, thank you so much, I appreciate that. But there's something on the inside of us that says if they only really knew, they'd take back every word that they said. In our consciences. See, the truth is, ain't nobody got a clean conscience. Some folk just more forgetful. Uh, some folk just forget. Some of you think that, oh yeah, well God saves people and he just saves the people who ain't done really, really bad stuff like me. He saves people that don't really have them thoughts like I have. He, he saves people that their mind doesn't wander into those places. No, 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 you got to understand. The Bible says that there is no one righteous. No, not one. Everybody watching with you at church online. Everybody listening to this podcast. Everybody who gathers in services in person has secrets. See, it's in our conscience that we know what we do in secret. It's, it's in our conscience that we know about our pride and how they may say what a great servant she is. They may say, oh, oh, how humble he is. But we know what our pride is saying all along as we do the thing that people want us to do. We know what our conscience is telling us and about how bitterness continues to well up within us, how that envy and striving move within us. It's in our conscience. It's in our conscience that we see our hypocrisy, and it's not justified there. It's just the hypocrisy that it is. We put on a show that looks one way, but who we really are is another. It's in our conscience. And what many people, if they'd be honest, maybe even you, would say is true is that we believe that God can save what we're comfortable sharing. But many believe that God can't save what we're uncomfortable sharing. That's the reason people are rotting on the inside, maybe even you. Because you got secrets. You got struggles. You got desires. You got thoughts. You've got Things that have happened to you, but yet you have never told another person what has happened to you. And it has marred you and it has shaped you. And, and now here you are. And that was 10 years ago or 50 years ago. And you find yourself struggling in the present, receiving salvation from a God who says he can save you. Because you really only believe he can save you on the surface because you know what's below ground. You really only believe he can save what you have presented to other people because that's all you're comfortable sharing. And all of this uncomfortability that sits on the inside of you, all of this stuff that you wrestle with, that you feel ashamed and, and, 
and wrong to communicate. You don't know how God can save you from that. If I could say it another way, you believe God can save your Sunday morning self and not your late at night self. God can save the, the version of you that's cleaned up and put together and, oh, you know, I had a really bad week and I really shouldn't have gone off on Fido like that. You know, whatever. You think God can save this tamped down, tempered version of yourself, but God can't save what you know is on the inside of you, you just hide. See, I'm talking about the parts of you that you don't want anyone to know. Like some of you under the sound of my voice have addictions, but you're so careful to cover them around people, you believe that no one knows and maybe no one does know that you say you trust God, but really you're addicted Maybe to a substance, maybe to an activity, maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're a, a, addicted to an to a experience, maybe you're addicted to a, a thing that uh, controls your life. But the thing is, you've hit it so well that nobody knows. And the thing is, you, you wonder how God can really save because um, you still got that. And maybe some of you pray to prayer and maybe some of you, um, you, you go to church and maybe some of you, you try to listen to a sermon, you try to, you try to sing a song, you try to do a thing, thinking somehow this, but the problem is on the inside of you, in your heart of hearts, you don't honestly believe that God has the power to save you from that addiction that you cover up, that perversion you're embarrassed to speak on, but yet it engulfs your mind, heart, and attention. I'm talking about the bitterness on the inside of you that is so foundational to who you are. Nobody would ever call you bitter, but you recognize that the person that you are is shaped by the bitterness that you carry every day of your life, the anger, the hatred that sits so squarely on your shoulders and in your heart. I'm talking about what you bury inside of you because you think it would scare people away or be repulsive to those who you are trying to impress. So you continue to bury it because I don't know if they can handle what's going on on the inside of me. And when you say, I don't know if they can handle what's going on on the inside of me, what you have also done is say, I don't know if God can handle what's going on on the inside of me. So you tell me, preacher, that God can save. I just don't know if he can save someone like me. I don't know if he can save someone who struggles like I struggle. I don't know if he can save someone who hurts like I hurt, who grieves like I grieve. I don't know if he can save someone who has done the things that I have done, but I just, I've been, I've been fortunate not to tell anybody. And so nobody else has had to get hurt because of what I've done. But the problem is I hurt every day because I don't know if God can save. I need to tell you one more reality that I have to go back to the scripture to prove to you because on its foundation, it's going to sound implausible to you. 
It's a reality about God and a reality about salvation that, again, many of us have probably never heard in our lives, but it is true. And it's unheard because it only applies to those who have secrets that they're hiding on the inside. Otherwise, you don't need it. But the reality is, all of us have secrets we're hiding on the inside. And until you realize this, you will never experience the freedom that's available to you when God saves you. See, God can save you despite your secrets. Because God doesn't stop to check your secrets. God can save you despite your secrets. Despite the things that you bury, despite the things that you cover up, despite the things that you don't tell nobody about at no time, God can save you despite those because God doesn't stop to check your secrets. Do you know that salvation has never had anything to do with the sin you hide, but the faith to do what God says? Salvation has never had anything to do with what you have done. It has nothing to do with what it is you hide, what it is your secret is, what it is you feel is uncoverable, unredeemable. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the faith to do what God has said to do. And when I say always, I mean always. I mean literally since the beginning. See, when we read Hebrews chapter 9 a moment ago, and we're processing through these words, there were a lot of things in there that I know were a little off-putting, right? Like we talked about blood, and it talked about goats, and talked about sacrifice, and, and it talked about, you know, some of these, these baby animals and, and this kind of stuff. And it's like, what is all this? Well, part of that comes from a, a Jewish feast, festival even, known as Passover. And Passover wasn't just some created holiday for Jewish celebration. It went back to a moment of Passover. And in order to understand what Jesus has done for you, particularly for those of you who do not believe that God can save your secrets, um, you have to understand Passover. And so I want to spend a few moments and read one more passage of scripture. A passage of scripture that personally, I, 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 I read this months and months and months ago. And what I'm gonna share with you the Holy Spirit sort of just woke on the inside of me as I was reading it. Then just from my own personal, because I don't just read the Bible professionally, I read it personally. Like, and, and it has, it has changed me in such a significant way. And my prayer is that I can do it justice for you today too. Because there is a part of the promise of Passover that is available for you today. You who ain't Jewish. <laughs> you who living in 2023 in these United States of America or wherever you may find yourself around the world. You, you. You who speaks to your situation with your kids and your job and your work and your ambition and your secrets. It's found in Exodus chapter 12. 
And my prayer is that this would speak life to you, particularly to those places where you believe that God can't save. Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Here's the way the scripture reads. It says, while the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, just for historical context, um, the people of Israel spent more than 400 years as slaves in the land known as Egypt. This is Moses' record of what God told him was going to happen through Passover, and then as you continue reading, this is what did happen, and this is what people look back on and celebrate when they celebrated Passover. It's this moment right here. But at the time that God is saying this, they are still slaves in Egypt. There have been nine plagues that have happened. Maybe you saw that movie, Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there have been nine plagues that have happened. You know, the Prince of Egypt. Maybe you saw the cartoon one. Like, like nine plagues that have happened, and this is before the tenth one. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and to Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal uh, according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be one year old, male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. It was significant to God that the sacrifice was perfect. Take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. So in the process of preparing this animal for this meal, which is what Passover is, it's a meal. In preparing, they were to take some of the blood of that animal and go outside the house and on the door posts around the doorway, on the sides and across the top, they are to take some of that blood and spread it there. Listen to what he says. That same night, they must roast the meat over the fire and eat it along with a bitter salad of greens and bread made without yeast. Do not, in, do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it till the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Listen to this. Some of you are like, this ain't got nothing to do with my secret. Yes, it does. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals. Carry your walking stick in hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. He's setting them up, and listen to what he says. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and every firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. Why, God? I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. This was, to say it another way, 
judgment day in Egypt. This was the time where everything that has happened was going to be held into account. That somebody had to pay the price for all the sin that had been committed against God's people. And so judgment day was coming. But then God said this, but the blood on your doorposts, remember on the outside of your house, will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying inside. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That night, history tells us that the angel of the Lord came through the whole land of Egypt and did just as God had said. And when they saw the blood on the doorposts, they passed over and judgment that should have come to all did not come to those where they saw the blood because the blood served as a covering for them. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Can I tell you something very personal for you today? Very specific and connected to your salvation. God can save you because the blood can cover you. When the day of judgment came, salvation was provided to the ones who were covered. But as I was reading this many, many months ago, just reading it for myself, reading it, there was something that the Spirit of God spoke to me that I, I just had never realized before. We read that God said, when I see the blood on the outside of the house, I will pass over that house. It did not say that I will knock on the door and come do an inventory of what's going on on the inside and try to figure out, have you got everything in order? Perfect. Have you been following all my other laws in the right way? Have you sorted out all of your issues? Have you handled everything that needs to be handled? No, no. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. There was not an inspection done inside of every house that had the blood on it. The blood on the outside gave a marker that covered whatever was going on on the inside. Based on one thing. Did you have the faith to do what I told you to do? Because if you did, what well, God is saying, I'll see the blood. And when I see the blood, that blood covers you completely. That blood saves you completely. That blood protects you completely. That blood is all I need to see. Because when I see the blood, I pass over you. And whatever's going on inside, we'll handle that another time. But on this day of judgment, on this day of reckoning, on this day of a price for sin must be paid, I'm looking to see who had the faith to do what I said, who had the faith to trust me and to put the blood 
on the outside as a covering for them. Friend, it's the blood of Jesus that covers your sin and mine. It has never been your good works that cover you. It has never been your piety. It has never been your devotion. The prophet Isaiah says our best works are like filthy rags in the eyes of God. And dim rags ain't just been cleaning up like, like a kitchen spill, okay? Like, like the most nasty kind of rag you could imagine, dim rags. He says your righteousness, your best works is like rags like that. It is not your goodness that covers you. It is not your efforts. It is not your prayers, your devotion, your servitude. The only thing that covers you is the blood of Jesus, and it covers you for good. So that when the day of judgment comes, judgment passes over you. See, God is not intimidated by the sin You've covered. God is interested in the blood that covers you. And so many of you think that the way the blood is administered on your house, if we can use the Passover as an illustration, is that somehow there's an inventory done of what's going on on the inside of your house. And if the inventory on the inside of your house meets a certain standard, then the blood is allowed to be put on the outside of your house. No, 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 no. It's never been about what's going on on the inside of your house. It's always been about, do you have the faith to do what God said and allow the blood to cover like only the blood can? See, your salvation has nothing to do with what's hiding in your life and everything to do with his blood on your life. It has nothing to do with the secrets that you've buried, has nothing to do with the stuff that feels shameful to you, has nothing to do with the things that you feel... Uh, terrible talking about the fact that you still struggle with. No, 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 no. has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with his blood on your life because God can save you because the blood can cover you. And your faith to believe that what he did for you was for you. To have the faith to stop trying to earn your salvation through your efforts and receive his covering for good Judgment then passes over you. Because then when he sees the blood, he passes over you. God can't save you because the blood can cover you. But please understand a second reality of this blood. God can't save you because the blood can cleanse you. The blood can cleanse you. The blood of Jesus is not like the sacrifices of old, which the way the scripture writers would tell us, they cover us temporarily. See, what started at Passover began a yearly tradition where every year they were doing these things every year there were feasts and festivals every year there were moments of of sacrifice and blood put on door because it was only good temporarily but the writer in hebrews will tell us as we read in chapter 9 and as you could read in other places that the sacrifice of jesus his blood was for good but it's way more powerful than some temporary symbolic act that enables the judgment of God to pass over you for a moment. 
In Hebrews chapter 9, the writer says the blood of Jesus will cleanse our conscience. See, the reason you believe that God can't save that part of you is because you thought that God would cleanse that part of you immediately. The writer didn't say that. You are saved. You are covered. Judgment passes over you the moment you believe. Right? Because we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no person can boast about it. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The blood covers you in a moment, and it covers you for good, and now judgment passes over you. But Hebrews 9 tells me that his blood will future cleanse my conscience. See, you believed God couldn't handle it because it didn't get handled in a moment. Problem is, your, your conscience is going to take a little time to get cleaned out. You think God couldn't deal with it. God couldn't forgive you because you still struggle there. Oh, sure, you got a little nicer because you got around some better people and you, you were a little more grateful because because you were thankful that now now like judgment was going to pass over you but you still got them secrets on the inside and you don't know what to do with them and so in your heart of hearts you wonder whether or not God can save you you need to hear me it says he will cleanse your conscience to say it another way you need to give it time and let the blood do what the blood do one of my favorite movies of all time is the movie remember the titans I don't know what type of stereotypical person that makes me, but make me that. I love Remember the Titans. Got Denzel Washington in it. It's about football. It's, it's about racial tension and working together and people uh, learning to look at the content of one's character and not the color of one's skin. I love Remember the Titans. The other thing I love about Remember the Titans, it is great writing. Like there are some, some absolutely fantastic one-liners and kind of little, little phrases, conversations in this movie. And one of them is when these, these two high schools, if you haven't seen the movie, the movie's been out for like 20 years. Like, I ain't spoiling nothing for you. That's your own fault if you haven't seen it. But these two high schools uh, are, are being integrated. It's a time of integration in Virginia. And, uh, and these two high schools are being, are being integrated. And these two football teams are sort of where the spotlight is put. And before the school year starts, they are going to uh, football camp. And it's this predominantly black high school, predominantly white high school, and they're coming together, and it's a black coaching staff and a white coaching staff, and they're working together. And, uh, uh, and uh, one side's going to handle the offense, and one side's going to handle the defense. And uh, coach takes the uh, offensive playbook, and he hands it to the, to, the, to the other coach. And he and the other coach looks at the offensive playbook, and he says something to the effect of, you know, it's a mighty thin playbook. You know, we, uh, we playing big league football over here now, you know, trying to – him. And uh, Denzel offers these uh, words of encouragement I have used in my life now for the many, many years since, and as I watch him in the Titans, he says, uh, he says, I run six plays, split veer. It's like Novocaine. Give it time, always works. The second half of that I use all the time. I use that phrase. It's like Novocaine. Give it time, always works. Give it time, 
always works. When I think about the blood of Jesus, you give it time, always works. Give it time, it always works. One of the most famous songs in history connected to the blood of Jesus even offers this, though many have missed it in their singing and recitation of it. It says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, come on. Like the, the blood of Jesus that washes, that covers my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That is line one. Line two, people don't understand, is separate from line one. Because line two says, what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the blood that covers you in a moment. It's the blood that cleanses you over time. It's the blood that saves you in a second but it's the blood that cleanses you and will cleanse you. See, in the scripture, salvation is spoken of as something that I am saved in a moment. I am being saved as, as the blood continues to cleanse me. And one day I will be saved on the other side. When I stand before God, judgment will not come upon me. It will pass over me because I am covered by the blood. Some of you need to wake up to the reality that God can save you. You've played church long enough. You have, you have thought that God couldn't handle your sin. You thought that he couldn't handle your secret because you thought your secret was supposed to be eradicated in a moment. He promised you something. He will cleanse your conscience. But it's like Novocaine. Give it time. But it always works. But it starts by receiving the covering in a moment that's for good. Because when you believe that God can save, what you're saying, friend, is not only can he save the stuff I'm comfortable sharing, but he can save those things that I've never told anyone about. He can save the stuff that I've hidden the stuff that I've buried, the stuff that I moved to a new city so it wouldn't follow me here. He can save me from that. He can save me from my childhood. He can save me from my first marriage that I never want to talk about. He, he can save me from my addictions. He can save me from my hurt. He can save me from my shame. He can cleanse my conscience. God can handle your secrets because salvation was never given or withdrawn based on your secrets. See, God can save you from the penalty of your sin and the pain of your secrets. He saves you from the penalty of sin in a moment, but he saves you from the pain of your secrets over time as his blood cleanses your conscience. We serve a God who can save. A God who can save you today. And some of you are watching right now 
And maybe you've watched a thousand sermons in your life. Maybe this is your first time to be at church and you're at church online. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Some of you are listening right now and you have never put your faith in Jesus. And you need to receive his salvation because you recognize a day of judgment is coming and you are not covered. Friend, that's just true. That may not be uh, politically correct to many people, but it's true. A day of judgment is coming and you are either covered by the blood of Jesus or you are not. And if you are covered, what God said is I will pass over you. And if you are not coming, if you are not covered, judgment is coming to your house. But some of you are listening to me and the truth is you've prayed a prayer before. You are trying to follow Jesus, but in your heart of hearts, you really don't believe that God can save you from your secrets. And so you've lied about them, covered them up, misdirected off of them. But the problem is it has shaped your whole perception of the power of God in and on your life. And there are areas of your life where you won't trust God in, and it all stems back to the fact that you don't really trust God with your secrets. Today, salvation is available to you because we serve a God who can save, who can offer his blood to cover and to cleanse, to cover our sin once and for all, and to cleanse our conscience as he promised that he will do so if that's you I want you wherever you are listening watching with a friend by yourself in a public place at your house to repeat these words and pray with me if you say I need today for God to save me pray this prayer say Jesus today I receive your salvation I receive your sacrifice for my sin. Cover my sin in your blood so that I will be right for good with our Father in heaven. And Jesus, I'm believing by faith that as I stay under your blood, that it will cleanse my conscience. And so bring healing and bring forgiveness and make me whole again from those things that I felt I could never say, from those things I felt embarrassed to share, from those things I felt that have written me off and made me unworthy. Forgive me, save me, and cleanse me because I believe you are the God who can save me. I thank you, Jesus, for salvation that you have brought to me. Help me to follow you from this moment forward as you show me how. We pray all this, Jesus, in your precious name. And everybody said, amen.